0: Uh, more than that, I missed you. I missed a lot of your smiling faces and some of your not smiling ones. Um, But uh, I did uh, miss you all. I'm excited to be back, and I want to thank Pastor Ken for filling in for me last week and and just making sure that uh, everything was taken care of. Um, So today we're going to jump right back in it. Uh, We're not going to leave off anywhere. Uh, So we're going to jump back into uh, Nehemiah 2, if you have your Bibles. Uh, We're going to be Reading verses 9 through 20. Um, Now I think today is going to be really interesting for a lot of us. Uh, A lot of times when you come, we have uh, a lot of heavy spiritual advice. Um, And I think that's a good thing. Uh, That's a good thing. That's what you come to church to hear. There's a lot of uh, good, spiritual, heavy advice. And hopefully you take what you get at church, and at least I know my hope is you take it home with you, and you spend the next... Uh, five to six days chewing on what you might have learned at church and how you can apply that, how you can live that out. Uh, But today's going to be a little bit different. We're going to have a lot of heavy spiritual principles, but this is a very practical uh, message. Uh, Nehemiah is a very practical guy that we see in a lot of ways. Um, So I'm hoping that today, as we go through these things, as we look into a few of them, uh, that you all will take some practical things uh, for your life, and for your spiritual life. But first, let's go ahead and read the verses this morning. We're going to be starting in verse 9. Uh, I'm going to be reading uh, from HCSB, so if it doesn't look the same, just, uh, just pretend it does, and uh, we'll be good to go there. So, verse 9 says this, it says, I went to the governors of the region west of the Euphrates and gave the king's letters. The king had also sent officers and the infantry and cavalry with me. Now, when Sambalot the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard someone had come to seek the well-being of the Israelites, they were greatly displeased. After I arrived in Jerusalem and had been there for three days, I got up at night and I took a few men with me. I didn't tell anyone where my God had laid on my heart to do for Jerusalem. The only animal I took was the one I was riding. I went out at night through the valley, uh, through the valley gate toward the serpent's well. And the, and the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem. And they have been broken down, and it's the gates that had been destroyed by fire. I went on to the fountain gate and the king's pool, but further down it became too narrow for my animal to go through. So I went up at night by the way, by the valley, uh, and inspected the wall. Then heading back, I entered through the valley gate and returned. Now the officials did not know where I had gone or know what I was doing. For I had not told the Jews, the Jews, priests, nobles, officials, and the rest, those of what I would be doing. So I said to them, you see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins. Its gates have been burned down. Now come, let us rebuild Jerusalem's wall so that we will no longer be in disgrace. And I told them how gracious the hand of my God had been on me and what the king had said to me. And they said, let us start rebuilding. And they were encouraged to do the work. When Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Geshem the Arab heard about this, they mocked and despised us and said, what is this you're doing? You're rebelling against the king. I gave them this reply. The God of heaven is the one who will grant success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding, but you will have no share, right historic claim in Jerusalem. Let us pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for your word. I'm thankful for the gift that you've given us through this this man, Nehemiah, as we look into his life, into what he's going through. God, I'm encouraged. I'm challenged. God, I hope this morning that you would take your word and use it to challenge your people, that we might look to you and look to be more like you, and even less like ourselves. And we ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. So if you haven't been here for the past couple weeks, I'll do a quick rundown to catch you up. Uh, we're studying Nehemiah, who is a, or who was at this time, a cupbearer to the king. Very trusted position, a position who would try the food um, before the king to make sure it wasn't poisoned. And uh, and he would also have a very political Uh, power uh, or much political power in the kingdom. If you wanted to get something done, you could tell the cupbearer, the cupbearer would talk to the king, things would be done. Uh, Nehemiah then, uh, I think as Pastor Kim would preach about last week, began to be burdened about something. He began to be burdened uh, for a task uh, in the Lord, and the Lord began to put something on his heart, and and it couldn't go away, and so uh, boldly he begins to bring up his burden before the king. Um, He couldn't couldn't restrain it. It was was so burdening his face couldn't even uh, break a smile. And and the king finally asked, you know, what's going on? And and there's a whole talk about his city being laid in waste. Um, We we get the picture here of of Nehemiah as we pick up the story uh, where we left that off of of someone who's traveling back home. And And I told you um, Nehemiah has a, a lot of practical advice for your life, no matter where you're at. Uh, work that, uh, advice that you can take into your workplace, uh, into your everyday life, and implement that. Uh, and I think that that's, that's a God thing. I think that God is going to give you these things because he wants you to open it up. He wants you to see these things uh, clearly. So as we go through this, we're going to take some principles uh, that we've, we, we can see in the life of Nehemiah. And I want to just take them and kind of pull them out. I'm going to show them to you, kind of wrap it out of a hat style. And, uh, and so you can be uh, mindful of where you may be able to use these principles. Uh, the first one we pick up right here um, in verse 9, it really just kind of makes sense. Um, there's some discrepancy about Nehemiah's faith in verse 9. And I think that it's, it's pertinent for you as a Christian to, to never be discouraged in your task when someone would... Uh, say that you're going about it a wrong way. And this is what I mean. So uh, some would look to Nehemiah being escorted by a cavalry, mm-hmm. by a king, and they would say, well, your faith's not strong enough. But I think that what we can see in Nehemiah is, is a shrewdness, a, uh, a prudence, a wisdom uh, for him to say, there's an avenue for me to accomplish my purposes. That avenue is the king, and God's using the king To help me accomplish these purposes. So we start and we already see see there's going to be opposition, right? So if we're challenged this morning, and if our challenge has been to you in the past two weeks, uh, which it should be, uh, what is your burden? Uh, What is it that you are burdened for? We're going to see in just a few minutes, uh, it seems like Nehemiah can't even sleep with this on his heart. And you might say to me, uh, you know, Pastor, I don't really have a burden that, that much. Um, I would say pray. I would say look to God for his guidance to give you that burden. Uh, because all of us should be burdened for the lost, burdened for this community. Uh, we sit nestled here for a reason. I don't think that God makes mistakes. Um, I wink and nudge uh, Brother Lambert and say, God's sovereign. And he doesn't make mistakes in where he puts us. And so we're here for a reason. And so if we are, then one of our burdens should be the people around us. And so uh, I was, I was very saddened I wasn't able to make it yesterday to kind of pray for the community because I, I think that that's necessary. Because I think that that there's a comfortability that comes with living in a time that we live. Um, I can I can honestly say that. That most things we buy are for our own comfort, right? Uh, we buy couches, we buy lazy boys, we buy all these things for our own comfort, and we begin to get comfortable. So we forget what it means to have like a burden for something. Uh, so uh, my probably the last time I ever had a burden was like when I was like 16. I wanted a car, right? And that would keep me up at night. Uh, now this is not a spiritual story right this is this is a Brett being a 16 year old boy wanting a car but there was a there was a keeping me up there was a a restlessness to me I wanted it i wasn 't going to stop until I got it you know I was going to work I was going to do chores i was going I was going to do all these things to get something and I think sometimes when that comes across in our spiritual life we don 't we don't go, and we don't struggle for those things as much as we should. We don't, we, we, we like, that's, that's something, yeah, Brett, that's well and good, the communities around us, but if they wanna come, they'll come, you know? We have a if you build it, they will come attitude. But at the same time, Christ is meant to be lived out through all of you. So my, my challenge to you is if you haven't had a burden, right? If haven't got to that point yet, Pick that up because you're going to need that for the rest of our study in Nehemiah. Because we're going to start telling you what to do with that. What does it look like? What, is it, what do we need to, to do with this burden? So if you don't have one, get one. Now, if you have one, um, <coughs> let's start analyzing what that might look like. Because he, he's, he's burdened. And we see here in opposition. Um, no one likes... Uh, when you have a burden. Uh, mine looked like this. Um, I would always uh, tell people I was going to be a pastor. Oh, how are you going to make money? I don't know. God, God's got all the money. How are you going to do this? How will that work out for you? And discouragement after discouragement would come my way because people don't like when you have a burden. And we see already that two people have come to Nehemiah. Nehemiah is doing some good work, right? Even if it's not a spiritual thing for God, he's just rebuilding walls. That's a good thing. But already we're going to see opposition. And this opposition is going to continue throughout the book. Um, opposition is a theme that's going to run all the way through Nehemiah. So my encouragement for you is that when you face opposition, because you will, that you look to Nehemiah on how we handle that. So we already know we're going to get op- opposition. Um, It jumps down to verse 11, and we realize that he's he's arriving, right? Nehemiah is coming to Jerusalem. Uh, He's there. Um, He does something interesting. And this is interesting because in verse 12, it says, I got up at night, and I took just a few men with me, mostly probably for protection. These are probably not uh, anything more than just kind of a small guard to make sure that he's okay. Nighttime is a dangerous time uh, during all of this. Uh, So probably just a few guards for protection, but nothing more. So what is he doing? He's getting up in the middle of the night and I said this I didn't tell anyone what God had laid on my heart to do for Jerusalem when I talk to you about a burden that you're going to have and you have to own it it's got to be yours I shouldn't have to come and like stir it <laughs> and, then, and kind of kick you into it you know why aren't you just doing this The burdens that we have and the burdens that I want you to to look at in Nehemiah should be something that you're passionate about. That you're very passionate about. Nehemiah took this time and he says, look, I I didn't tell anybody where I was going. It wasn't a hyper-spiritual moment. Um, It was kind of like when Jesus tells us in the New Testament, when you're fasting, don't don't tell anyone. Just, Just do it. Right? You don't want to be bragged on. You don't want anyone to heap praise on you. Um, don't, don't worry about other people knowing. And it's the same thing when you've got a burden for something. When you are truly and utterly engaged with something, you're going to be proactive. But you're also not going to worry about what everyone else is saying about it. And again, we're talking practicality, too, right? So I'm, I'm speaking at you as a pastor, hoping that you have a spiritual burden for the lost in our community, or the lost in your family, or, or discipleship of your family, or knowing more about God. But take this to your workplace. What does that look like? You know, are you a person who has to be kind of hyped up after you've done something good? I am, right? I'm the person who wants, like, the pat on the back, like, that a boy, you did great. But I don't need that. And that's kind of what Nehemiah is saying here. Is like, when you have something that motivates you, you're not gonna need it. He says, I got up in the middle of the night. I didn't tell anybody where I was going. Um, I took with me some things for protection, but that's it. And he goes around and he does this, and this is, this is huge. Um, all through this section, Nehemiah honestly takes inventory Um, now what this looks like in your life may not be different right I don't I hope that I don't see you guys on the news riding a horse down Capitol Boulevard uh, taking inventory of of where you're going to go right Uh, you can do that if you want I will not judge you but it might look different now right what Nehemiah is doing is he's saying, there's some problems that are going on, and I need to be honest about what these problems are. <clears throat> and, and the problems escalate. You see, he comes through a couple gates, and, and, he, and the walls are torn down, but he can still get through them. He's going through gates, he's going around gates. But then it says this, I came to somewhere that I couldn't even get my horse through. I, re- I, I found the problem within the problem. Because I'm I'm struggling in that. And church, as as a church, as a person, as an individual, as a family, relationships of loved ones, we have to continuously take honest inventory of where we're at. Um, Now, this is not a, uh, the walls of Jerusalem were not burned down over attrition, meaning they weren't uh, worn down over time. Uh, They were torn down by a raid. But what it looks like for you and me in my life uh, is this. uh, Casting Crowns were a song a long time ago. Uh, It was called A Slow Fade. And basically the point was, the whole song was this. uh, Falling away from God is not something that happens overnight. It's a slow fade where you just find yourself further and further and further until one day you look up and you don't know where you're at. And you're like, I'm not sure how I got here. And it was never your intention to find yourself here. And you look at your life and you're just like, I don't know how I can even get back to where I was. But I know that I'm here and I don't like it. You see, Nehemiah looked and he said, listen, one of my encouragements for you is, is before you start fixing things, let's start taking inventory. And it hurts. You can almost see as Nehemiah is running around looking at the walls, like tears welling in his eyes. This is is why he's here. This is what he loves. The entire city of Jerusalem and and the protection, they're, 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 they're wounded, they're hurt, and they have nothing around them. And Nehemiah is walking around just seeing the brokenness of it. And just like you and I, When I was going through uh, the funeral for my cousin, I could see brokenness in people. You know, we preached uh, a couple months ago about um, grieving, but grieving with hope. That there's hope for Christians in their grief. Um, And I watched uh, as people who were broken came to the casket. And, and I wondered as I, as I almost took inventory of my own life, like, I'm so blessed to have God and to have Christ as my encouragement, but these people aren't. And so, as, as the, the thing went through, I began to start speaking to people. And, um, and of course, uh, the first thing out of people's mouths uh, is, You're a pastor. And I was like, Yes. Um, second thing out of their mouth is, Uh, You're at a Filipino church? That's weird. And I'm like, it's awesome, leave me alone. Um, But I really think that for you and for me, one of the greatest things I can tell you in your life, whether it be at work, whether it be spiritually, whether it be otherwise, from Nehemiah, is to start taking inventory of where you're at. Now, this is not a legalistic taking of inventory, that God's going to love you any less where you come up on it, Right? God loves you the most, no matter where you're at. I talked about being far away and finding yourself sunk in a pit of sin, and you're just like, I don't know how I got here. God didn't move. He still loves you where you're at, but he wants you back. But if we, every day, start taking inventory, you know, where am I at? You know, where am I at with with my my relationship (laughs) Now, where am I at with God? Um, I know people who, who've read the Bible every day who just don't like God. So reading the Bible definitely, that's, that's good, but it's not going to get you where you need to be. There's got to be a relationship there. I mean, you can read a love letter from your husband or wife every day, but if you don't interact with them, if you're not there with them, if you're not walking through life together, it's, it's hard. So my encouragement to you this morning as we read Nehemiah is no matter what you're looking at, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's in your relationships, whether it's with your spiritual life, start looking inward. What's my motivation, right? Where am I at with this? Am I like Jerusalem? Or are all my walls torn down? <coughs> and if you are, I'm telling you there's hope. Because I've been there. And I think that most of us in this room have probably been there. Have probably been in a walls torn down, this looks really bad type moment. But there's hope on that. And that's what we're going to see next is as Nehemiah rides around, he looks through the city, uh, he finds all the gates. And again, he reiterates in verse 16, he says that, The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing. I hadn't told the priests, the nobles, or the officials, because this has got to be about you. If you want the most out of this book, if you want the most out of um, out of a service, out of discipleship, it's got to be a real conversation between you and God. Like I love you, and I can I can speak for your pastors. We'll do everything we can to empower you in that conversation. We can't have it for you. We can't. I'd love to. We would, but I can't. So that conversation has to go on between you and him, and 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 so he doesn't tell the officials. uh, He doesn't tell the priests. He doesn't tell the nobles. It says this. It says, so then I came back to them and I said to them, I said, you see the trouble we're in. So he's got it, right? (laughs) Nehemiah has a burden. And I just told you, you have to internalize that burden. This is the next step once you have as you start trying to show other people, look, it's a problem. Because you're going to need other people too. Well, Brett, you just told me I had to do it myself. Yes, you have to internalize it by yourself. But you're going to need everyone else. The Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. The reason we have churches is because we desire community. Um, humans are a very communal people. Um, and, and we desire to know what you're going through, whether it's good or bad. Um, my, my saddest thing is, is when I ask you, you know, how are you? And you just you hit me with, I'm fine. I mean, a lot of us aren't fine. That's okay because we're here and I'm gonna need you all. Right? I see a burden for the lost, and I know that a lot of you see it too. I'm gonna need your help. I can stand on a a street corner and and throw rocks and make a scene, um, but it's not gonna do anything if I don't have like a group movement. And so he comes back and he begins to speak to people and he says, don't you see Jerusalem lies in ruins? The gates have been burned down. And this is where he says, um, this is important. Don't sit on a pity pot and not have an actual plan. Right? Again, practical information. There's no use pointing out a problem unless you know how to fix it. Now, it's one thing to come to somebody and say, I don't know how to fix it. Help me find out, Uh, right? Uh, I could even take this down to bare minimum. This is relationship advice. Don't come into a relationship and just say, this is the problem. I don't know how to fix it. Always come with some sort of plan. This is what we're going to do. You know, this, uh, you know, yesterday, we're going to start praying for this community. Uh, We're going to move as a church to start doing things uh, that are regular for this community. We're going to start looking out. We're going to start reaching out. Uh, I'm going to start driving through and just praying. I'm going to start uh, talking to people I meet in this community. Uh, I'm going to do active things to accomplish and overcome this burden. So he says this. He says, let us come. It doesn't say, well, the walls are burned down. Let's go back. It's over. Looks bad. Glad we came. He says this, he says, the walls have burned down. Come, let us rebuild this. And it says this, gives them a reason. Let's rebuild them because I don't want to be in disgrace anymore. You know, when I was was going to church camp, uh, when I was a teen, uh, we used to sing a song, uh, I don't want to be, I don't want to be a casual Christian. And I don't want to live, I don't want to live a lukewarm life. I'm afraid for our churches, and not just this—not just you know—not pointing fingers. But I'm afraid that we're comfortable living that lukewarm life, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm pushed and I'm urged that we can take this and we can say, you know, we don't want to do that. It's not good. I was once told this: the comfort zone is the danger zone. Once you're comfortable, you're in trouble. If you don't believe me, ever ask someone who got really comfortable in a relationship. They stop trying. They stop pushing. They stop urging each other. They stop loving and walking with one another. We cannot get comfortable. Nehemiah is telling us, don't get comfortable. You see a problem, move to fix it. He continues, he says this, he says... This says, "Come, let us rebuild the wall, so we will not be in disgrace." In verse eighteen, I told them how gracious the hand of my God had been on me, and what the king had said to me. So this is this, right? Uh, practical advice uh, one-on-one in church. Um, when you're when you're burdened, when you're when you're moving for something, when you're doing something, uh, and you have the backing of somebody, uh, that's encouragement for other people, right? It's encouraging for them to hear those things, right? The difference between uh, uh, we want to start reaching out to the community and our pastors tell us it's a bad idea. That's not very encouraging. And we don't want to do that. We want to be encouraging to you and lifting you up and saying, listen, we can do this. It might take a little bit of work, and we're going to read about that work coming up, right? Um, But we're going to read about how to work with one another. Because Nehemiah is gonna tell us it takes everybody. And not only does it take everyone, but we have to be encouraged from one another and push and pull and gather and move forward. And he says this, I love the response, right? So he says, "I, I told them all about what the king had told me, my entire adventure here, I went to the king, this is what he said, he's behind it, we got this. And then they would just respond, Let's start rebuilding. I love that. I love that because it's action. Right? You know, and and uh, I, I just, you know, I'm going to throw this out. And, and if you don't like it, it's okay. Uh, you won't like everything I say. It's all right. Um, but they didn't say, like, that's wonderful. I'm going to change my Facebook profile picture. They didn't say that's wonderful. We'll start planning tomorrow. It wasn't planning. They just they moved. They saw a need and they acted on it. If you remember, we read about that in James. We said that uh, what good is it to somebody to say I'm hungry, and then you just don't give him food? What good is it to have a burden to want to act on it and then just say okay, well we'll start planning for it? You start doing some things. Well, what if it fails? We pick it back up and we do some different things. They, they were moved to action in what they saw. It says, let's start rebuilding. They were encouraged to do this good work. They were encouraged to do a good work. And they said, uh, he closes it the same way he opens it. Um, I think the writer does this intentionally with this section. Uh, he wants you to know that opposition is a big deal. And, and this is actually uh, a huge opposition because it says in verse 19, uh, When Sambalot the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official, and Geshem the Arab heard about this, they mocked and despised us. Now those two words are interesting because it says two different things. Uh, sometimes we read through and we don't really like take a time to, to bite off what he just said, but it was not only that they were made fun of, but they were hated for. They were not only just said, you know, you guys are a bunch of idiots out here uh, standing in a field praying. It's not only mocked, they were hated for. You guys just think you're better than us, don't you? So don't be surprised. As much as humans change, humans don't change. And if this happened to Nehemiah, and if we read about a thousand years later it happened to Jesus, then probably two thousand years later it's going to happen to you and I. And we're going to be mocked for what you do. And you will be despised in some instances for what you do. But you've got to learn that that's okay. We're going to learn more about that as we go through the book. But here's, here's the important part. It says, that what is it you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? Um, that is a veiled threat. Because Nehemiah already knows that the king's on his side. The king's already got his back. Uh, But these two jokers want to throw accusations. Um, And basically what they're saying is, uh, we're going to get you killed. We're going to get you killed. We're going to go to the king about this. You're doing something he didn't say you could do. And, And ultimately, no matter what kind of planning you do, no matter what kind of backing you do, Nehemiah already knows the king is on his side, right? He already knows that but he's still going to have to sit and endure someone telling them about something that they know nothing about. And we got the same problem. People will tell you and tell you and tell you about things they don't know anything about. My encouragement to you is this as as we close this morning. Nehemiah says this. He says the God of heaven is the one who will grant success we, his servants, will start building, but you'll have no share, right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. So he does this. He says, you know what? You want to you mock, you want to despise, you want to do all these things. Uh, understand this. I have the king's backing. And if you want a real one-to-one comparison, you have the king's backing. Capital K. We talk about all the times of Jesus Christ's lordship, how he rules and reigns over this world. And yet, with the king's backing, we still don't act. Well, you don't know, Brett. I could, I could, you know, somebody could make fun of me. Yes, they could. You don't know, Brett. I mean, I could, I, I actually, I may, I may lose this job. My God owns all the jobs says he owns the, the cows on a thousand hills. I've never seen once a servant of the Lord begging bread. God is there for you. And he has your back. And he's backing your spiritual burden. But you have to remember that. And not only do you have to remember who's behind it, but you've got to remember this. Act on it. You know, it's a, you know, it's not Missouri, but it's a show me state, right? You can tell me over and over that you care about me, but but show me. And we can speak over and over that we love this community. That we want to be a, a cultural church that has all of these beautiful cultures and, and, and all these people that come from different backgrounds. And we want to see that and be that and love that. and And, and, and I'm just telling you, show me. Because I'll back you. I'm sure Pastor Ken will back you. We'll do anything we can to empower you to success. But we have to act as a church. And it's got to be all of us. Like I said, we're going to realize that in a few chapters. So if you'll pray with me this morning.